0: for all things land development, planning and property. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. To find out how Ian can help you, visit propertyonfire.co.uk. Hello and a very warm welcome to this week's episode of Property on Fire. Just in case you were a little bit confused by that, yes, I'm back. I'm back and we are at episode 21 now, so it's good to be back. And a big, big thank you to everyone who's emailed me, messaged me, WhatsApp me, goodness knows what else, and said, Ian, when are you recording another episode of Property on Fire? We really miss it. So here I am. I'm sorry it's been a long break, but I'm back. So what do we have coming up on today's episode? First up, I'm going to give you an update on what's been happening over the last few months on our various development sites. I've been sent a couple of questions, which I'll be pleased to answer, and I'm gonna have a bit of a rant. It's about a rather large company who you will know, you'll have heard of, um, and to be honest, it's been doing my head in a bit recently. Well, when I say recently, uh, it's been for the last year, I've been battling with them almost on a daily basis. So that's all coming up. If we've got time today, then I'll be doing an update on my plans to expand and grow Planning Geek. So without further ado, let's get started. But before I do, please do like, review and subscribe to this podcast and come with me on this property journey. Before I dive into what's been happening on our various sites, you may well have noticed that we now have a new housing minister, Stuart Andrew, who has taken over from Christopher Pincer. Stuart Andrew is actually the MP for Pudsey, having both been a Conservative and a Labour member over the last few years. However, importantly, he is a landlord. And from what I've heard, he's said to be in favour of permitted development rights. But he's against Greenbelt development. So we'll have to wait and see as if we get any assistance from him being Housing Minister. Michael Gove, of course, remains as his boss as a Secretary of State within the, and this is, this is a bit of a mouthful, the DLUHC or Department for Leveling Up Housing and Community, to give it his full title. Now, just because the government loves acronyms and TLAs, or three-letter acronyms, this used to be known as the MHCLG, and before that, the DCLG. Is it going to be a load of TOSH with him? But I don't know, we'll have to wait and see. Okay, update from our sites. Now, if you're a new listener to Property and Fire, first of all, welcome. And if you haven't been listening, you've probably forgotten what on earth I've been doing for the last few years. So I'm just going to give a little bit of a recap on our three sites that we've actually got going at the moment, just so I can then give you an update upon what's happening. First up is our site in South Devon. This was a commercial conversion and was originally county council offices and before that a care home. I purchased this about five years ago now or four or five years ago. And to be honest, having lost the last couple of years, I do rather lose track of time. I'm not sure if you feel the same. This former office block uh, we've actually converted at the moment into 22 flats of which I'm pleased to say that the vast majority are now sold. We only have two remaining to be sold, of which the other 20, I think there's something like 15 or 16, have now moved in. And it's quite nice to actually see curtains and other bits in the windows rather than for sale boards. So we're about to move on to phase two or phase 2A really on this particular site. Uh, we, we actually have planning permission to remove the pitch roof and we're going to stick an extra floor... In place of that pitch roof, which will then become duplex with the floor below. This will create an additional four two-bed duplex apartments, all of which will have their own balconies overlooking the countryside of South Devon. I did manage to obtain planning last year for an additional five flats to be built in airspace uh, on this building, however for various commercial reasons I think we're actually going to not actually carry that out. Sometimes on sites you have to look at a bigger picture and think a what is better for this site and B, what is actually better for our time in developing. Sometimes we will go through planning and not actually do what we've actually obtained permission for. We do however have some additional land on this particular site and we'll be looking to develop that with a number of houses to the rear uh, instead of these additional flats. On our second site, which is in a place called Westwood Hoe in North Devon this time, we are starting to build 14 bungalows there. Now this has also had its challenges, Um, I think that's a slight understatement, over the last couple of years or so. It took us a long time to actually buy the site, but now that we have, we're actually pleased to actually start building. We're currently at foundation's point on all 14 bungalows, and are actually selling these off plan. Now just in case you don't know what buying off plan means, this is where we will actually have... All the plans, we've, we've got all the plans drawn up. We have guides of what the buildings are going to look like. And we've been putting out to market to actually gain interest and actually see if anybody would like to buy these bungalows in advance of them actually being built. Now I'm pleased to say in the first week of doing this and bearing in mind we're not actually using an estate agent. So we're marketing them all ourselves and we've already taken three firm reservations and holding deposits from three buyers. And I guess on overall inquiries, we've probably got enough inquiries in order to sell all of these bungalows, I don't know, four or five times over. So we've we've had an awful lot of interest. Part of this interest has been gained via um, Harris fencing covers, which I put up myself. Um, in the last week or so and almost immediately the number of calls that we had just escalated um, along with inquiries from our website. Now what I would say is that if you are going to market it make sure people can get hold of you. There is a site almost opposite to be honest and I know somebody who actually tried to get hold of them and they can't. Whereas they actually phoned us and we have somebody answering our phone calls 24-7-365. They were able to leave a message and within an hour or so they actually got a call back from, from one of us to actually take their inquiries. I'm quite sure that we would have sold the majority of these bungalows before we've actually completed them all, that is for certain. But it's very encouraging that we are actually achieving a far higher GEDV than what we had originally anticipated. Although I must say our build costs have risen sharply as a result of, well, coming out of the EU and COVID and everything else, uh, build costs have risen. Currently, we are looking not far short of about £2,000 per square metre, which does actually put a fair bit onto our anticipated build costs as a result of this we are forced to actually have a chat with the bank and try and work out the actual funding on the site I know things will be fine because the profit is there however it is a conversation that we have to get through and it's it's something that you know one one of the hurdles in the path ahead We do have a couple of other sites that we're also working on, but for confidentiality reasons, I can't actually disclose exactly where it is. However, one of the sites is in Cornwall. It's along a river's edge, and it is a current commercial building that we are currently have under option. And we are about to go into planning for a number of high-end luxury apartments and four bed houses. This is a site that we are JVing with the site owner and his family with a view to splitting the profits at the end of the day. The GDV on this particular site, I I reckon is probably around about sort of 25 million, something like that. Um, So it should be a very, very nice site and looking forward to actually building this one out in the near future. Well, when I say near future, That rather depends upon the planning process, and that at the moment, from experience, is probably about a year. I'd like to think it's an awful lot quicker, but in reality, I think it's going to take a little while for that to go successfully through planning. But I think even the current owner will say that the the building on the site as it stands has seen better days. To be honest, it's not really viable in its current condition and really does need to go. We also have another couple of land deals that we are involved in with landowners and they're based on options. They're very much a even longer term thing, perhaps next five, ten years. It very much depends upon how successful we are at going initially for an outline planning permission and then a full planning permission after that. So some of them are going to be needed to have a a good long chat with a local authority. However, one or two of those are in areas which do not have a five year housing supply. So we'll have to see how they turn out. Okay, the first question this week has come from Ryan. He sent me a message via the contact form on the Property on Fire website. So thank you, Ryan, for doing that. Now he's asking me about extensions on his property. The first thing I do is have a quick Google search and look at the satellite view. And by the way, if you don't get a good Google satellite view, have a look at Bing Maps, because Bing Maps also has some very good satellite views and may actually be better than the Google version. I did have a quick look, and my first reaction is, whoa, let's be a little bit careful here, and I'll explain why. Most of us will walk into our back garden and think, right, this is the back of the house. Well, It's not quite as simple as that with some houses under the General Permitted Development Order, or GPDO for short. And the problem with a few older houses is the fact that you have what is called an outrigger. That is what I know it as. You may know it as something else. Now, originally, this extension on the back of the property may well have... Held the well, it could have held the outside loo, for example, it could have had the kitchen in it, but essentially it was an extension that was probably built from new on the actual building or house. And if you're one of the younger listeners to Property on Fire, yes, we really did just have outside loos in this country. And it wasn't that long ago, in all honesty. Before I get bogged down on outside loos, uh <laughs> what you effectively have here, Ryan, is an L shape in your back garden. So where your patio doors are, that is actually a rear elevation. So that part is fine. But the bit that is to the side of the outrigger or the bit that juts out, that is actually a side elevation and not a rear elevation. As a result of that, you can actually put a rear extension on the back of the outrigger, but unfortunately, the bit down the side where your patio doors are on your current property, you can only actually put a side extension and not a rear extension. Now, what does this mean in reality? Well, a side extension can only go up to a maximum width of 50% of the total width of your existing house. I've had a look at your picture from Google Earth, uh, Ryan, and I think you might just be about okay there. It may be about half the width of your house, but in all honesty, you'll need just to check to make sure that the bit you're going to infill there is actually up to 50 percent of the width of your house as it stands now as far as depth goes you can go out as far as the existing rear wall as you have it now you will not be able to go further than that without planning permission as a result of that ryan unfortunately you're not going to put be able to put in say a wraparound extension that extends out the back but also fills in the side now i hope that makes sense and if it doesn't please do come back to me but as your property is a terraced house you can go up to three meters in depth from the back of the outrigger it's worth pointing out here that the maximum space that you can actually take up with all your extensions and i see you've got a garden shed as well out the back is 50 percent of the curtilage around your existing house. Now you don't have much out front, so it's really just the backyard and the back garden that uh, you've actually got. So you've got to make sure that in combining with the shed you've got, if you're gonna keep that, you can only use up 50% of the curtilage around that house. But I hope that helps Ryan. This is Property On Fire with Ian Walmsley. And now Ian's Rant. This rant has, I said earlier, it's been doing my head in for the last year. And I think that is a slight understatement. And if anything, it's actually getting worse rather than better. The company in question is British Gas. I mean, all I'm asking for is somebody to update their computer. I'm not asking for a new supply. I'm not asking for anything technical. All I need is somebody just to go in to the records and update their database. It's not rocket science, but it would seem that it probably is. Let me explain. And I'm sorry about this. I'm not gonna swear. I will not swear on this show, but it's bugging me and it really is annoying me. So I apologize for that, but it's frustrating me to say the least it's actually to do with my 22 flat conversion that i mentioned earlier down in south devon and for one reason or another the builders put all the existing supplies with british gas now fortunately we only have electric and we don't have gas otherwise i think this problem would be far worse The problem actually started with us not having a flat 13. Down there, it's a South Ham's local authority, and South Ham's are actually not that keen on having number 13 anywhere. I think if I went back, I would ignore that, and I would insist on a flat 13, but I didn't, and so we actually have a plot 13, but we have a flat 14. We have a plot 14 and that is flat 15. I think you can probably see where this is going already, but essentially all the numbers above 12 are one out. You'd think, not difficult, not difficult. Let's just change, let's let's go from the top. Let's change plot 22 to flat 23 and work backwards. And eventually plot 13 can become flat 14. Nice and simple, you would have thought. But no, 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 no. This seems to be an impossible task for British Gas to carry out. Today, on the day of recording, I have sent my 22nd email to British Gas, repeating myself, I would say probably 22 times. And I have sent spreadsheets, I've created my own spreadsheets explaining the plot numbers, the flat numbers, the meter serial numbers, the meter readings. I've even supplied photographs of every single meter there to make life easier. And I even wrote the flat number on each meter just so that anyone could actually see what it was. Has it happened? No, 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 no. As a result, we actually have Flats that we've sold, which we still have open accounts for. And in fact, they seem to have opened up old accounts, which they previously closed. I have flats that are unsold and they've actually closed those accounts. And I know for a fact that some of the new residents are actually receiving bills for no uses at all. Absolutely zero. Because we are getting bills for flats which we have yet to move people move into or we haven't yet sold and those have big bills apparently now when i say apparently all our meters are smart which should mean they should just automatically update is that happening no well it was but for some reason they're not auto updating now and on some of the flats on the accounts which are open it shows zero meterings How is this even possible, British Gas? How? It has already been escalated to the escalations team, who are not very good at escalating, I've decided. I've gone to complaints. My first complaint all the way back on the 29th of March last year. Nothing happened to that one. I then sent it in written form, recorded delivery. I sent that last month. And that did actually generate a response from the complaints department, who, to be honest, phoned me up yesterday, which was nice. I actually had a human being phoned me up from British Gas. It's always a pleasure. I do like speaking to them. But to be honest, she wasn't really much help. She couldn't really do an awful lot apart from say, well, the escalation team has to deal with it. The escalations team are not dealing with it. Please, someone take ownership. That's all I ask. That's all I ask take ownership of your problems. Oh, and to make matters worse, they've actually had the audacity to actually write to us, threatening us with bailiffs, threatening us with court action to enforce entry into our flats, just because they can't sort the accounts out. In the meantime, we have been paying all of these accounts by direct debit. And yes, they've been taking money month in, month out, at 20-odd pounds for flats that are empty, zero usage in them. And it's actually saying to us that we are behind with it. How can we be behind? They're empty. The power is turned off. So please, British Gas, don't try and force entry. Don't try sending the illegal beagles down on top of us because I'm afraid you've picked the wrong person there. It ain't going to happen. I know you're a busy person, so I'm not going to keep ranting for the next hour. Although, to be quite frank, I feel like it. With 20-odd emails to them, I have probably spent 50-plus hours on the phone to them over the last year or so. Had numerous web chats, been passed from pillar to post in these web chats, and eventually been cut off without going. And in the meantime, I've had to try and tell them when we've actually sold flats. It's a nightmare. It's a complete mess. So if I can give you one tip, if you're doing any conversion, just pick flat 13, please, because you'll make your life a heck of a lot easier. If we do manage to solve this problem with British Gas, I will let you know in a future episode, I promise. But if anyone has a contact high up at British Gas, just send me a message, please. Um, I did copy in the CEO today out of frustration, but... Hey, I'm not even sure whether he'll actually sort of take much notice of my emails, but we'll see. Okay, I think I need a glass of water after that rant. Anyway, back to the questions. And Lucy, thank you, Lucy, for your email this week and asking about SIL, our old friend SIL, or Community Infrastructure Levy. Lucy's question is regarding a residential annex in a garden that she's looking to actually construct. And she's asking, will that be subject to sill? The good news is no, Um, as long as it's within your main residence. However, if you actually were to let that annex out individually within the next three years, or the annex is sold off separately uh, to the main house, or indeed it is used as a separate dwelling in any way, then they will be able to use a clawback position. The local authority will be able to claw back and claim sill for that annex in a period of up to three years. So if your plans go beyond uh, using as an annex, as part of the family use, and it remains ancillary to the house, then no, you're fine. But if it goes beyond that, then I'm afraid, yes, SIL will be chargeable and it will get backdated to the time of the actual building of that property or the completing, should I say, of that annex. And if you need help further, Lucy, on that, feel free to dive into the Planning Geek website and look up SIL. Or to be honest, you can actually go into Google, put in SIL, C-I-L-F-A-Q, and i think you'll find at the top of that page on the search results you will find my rather long faq page for sill and that actually runs at the moment to some 34 questions of which yours is actually there as well so if you've got any other questions or if anyone else has got questions surrounding sill then check out my faq page on the Planning Geek website. Just before I go, I did mention at the very start that I would try and fit in a slight update to Planning Geek and where I see that going. So not only am I a developer, um, I like to call myself a developer who loves planning. I regularly talk on planning around the UK. I'm now getting back out onto the road and I also still speak regularly to various mentees uh, for other mentors around the UK. And if you want me to speak at one of your events, then please do get in touch with me. However, as far as Planning Geek is concerned, it currently extends to around about 200 pages, but it is my intention to actually dramatically grow that over the next year. And I want Planning Geek to become very much a one-stop shop for anybody within development or anything affecting planning or whatever. And as a result of that, we are looking to expand. Up until this point, Planning Geek has solely been me and nobody else, to be honest. Uh, I have written the site. The site's been in existence for around about five years, and, and I have grown it just on myself. However, as I go forward, I can't do everything on my own. And as a result of the success of the Planning Geek Facebook community, which is just about to tick over to 5,000 members as I'm talking and recording now, we're actually looking to team up with a number of experts. Having put a message out a couple of days ago, we've probably had about 15 to 20 experts contact us over various disciplines and expertise in and around property. And it's really, really, really great to hear from every single one of them. And if you are an expert and wish to get involved, then send an email to experts at planninggeek.co.uk. And we look forward to hopefully working with you in the future. Now, going forward, I can't do this on my own. And so I'm very pleased now that I'm joined by Colin Smith, who will be assisting me going forward and growing and developing Planning Geek. And one of those plans we actually have is to get out there and actually run a course or two to actually share our knowledge, our experience of both planning and development and hopefully giving you an awful lot of tips as to how you can benefit from our knowledge and our experience over the years. So I'll be giving details of that course uh, that will be coming up very soon in a future episode of Property on Fire. But rest assured, Planning Geek is only going to grow from here and I'm looking forward to the future of Planning Geek. Anyway, it's great to be back. And once again, my apologies for the absence over the last few months. And rest assured, I ain't going anywhere, folks, and I'm back. So if I can help you in your property journey throughout 2022 and beyond, then please do get in touch. Keep safe, and I look forward to chatting with you on the next episode of Property on Fire. And fingers crossed, I might have got somewhere with British Gas, I hope. Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. Please use your podcast app to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And if you'd like a question answered on a future episode, email ian at propertyonfire.co.uk.